Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Boy, these greetings are getting out of control, huh? That's good. That's very good. So I'm going to be reading our scripture reading from Isaiah 58, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 12. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, Then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls restorer of streets with dwellings. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It is so very good to be gathered together today as one church, young, old, everything in between, all together on this exciting and fun day as we worship God, as we celebrate at his table, and as we offer our pledges to this next giving campaign. We conclude our six-week next series today, and we've talked throughout these weeks about what is next for Oak Hills. What does the future hold? What new, as yet unthought of, creative ministries will emerge from wherever to bring the good news into this post-Christian culture? Where is God leading us as Oak Hills Church? In each week of these six weeks, Angela Hauk and a few of her talented friends have depicted our journey into the future over here on the vignette stage, which I have like fallen in love with this thing over here. I just love the image of this twisting and turning road heading off into the distance to who knows where, encountering who knows what. Now, a little known insider secret. If you look really close at this, you'll notice that Angela has put a dead raccoon on that road out (laughs) a ways. No, she really didn't, so don't spend time looking for it. I'm just making that up, just to kind of grab our attention. I thought a big, juicy piece of roadkill would have really made that thing, but in any case, don't, when you're over there later, don't stand, what was he talking about? There's none there. I'm kidding. Just keep moving. Today's theme is the shared journey. We travel this road out into the future, winding, twisting, wherever it goes, we travel it together. Christianity, as we have said all through the years, Christianity is communal. 
And the primary way, a primary way we witness in this world is by being a community of people that lives by kingdom ethics. So we demonstrate the reality of Jesus and his kingdom kingdom through who we are becoming personally, certainly, and through who we are becoming communally as a faith community. And many people have come before us who have sat in this room and worshipped God in these exact chairs. And I mean literally in these exact chairs. Many of these chairs are very, very, very old. But it's a cool thing to think about. There are families here today and people here today who not that long ago, the mom or the dad of those families was an 8- or 10-year-old child sitting in this room in one of these chairs on a Sunday just bored to tears. It wasn't that long ago. And now they have their own children. And they're here in these chairs. I mean, many have come before us who have sat in this room, worshipped God in these exact same chairs. Randy, don't think I didn't hear that. Still bored to tears, he said, when I said, you know, they're growing up. You know what we're going to do? Listen, we're going to trade you and that wine chalice to Lakeside for whomever. A parishioner to be named later. People have come before us at Oak Hills who have sacrificially given and served for the sake of Jesus' kingdom, for the sake of the world, and for the sake of us. And we share this journey with them as we share it with one another. My hope today is that we will revel in the goodness of God and in the shalom of his kingdom. And we will celebrate what God has done. We will celebrate what God is doing. And we will celebrate what God will do in the days and weeks and years to come. Now, it is absolutely true, and I feel the need to acknowledge this. We are an imperfect church. There are many, many things we can do better. I am a stunningly impaired pastor, teacher, and leader. The elder board of this church is amazing, but still has room to grow. The staff is in a league of their own, in my opinion, but not a one of them has the name Jesus on the back of their jersey. And you are an incredible congregation. I was reminded again this week through some interactions with some other pastors and leaders of just how unique you are. And it may seem like, okay, here comes the hype, here comes the sales pitch, but you are a unique congregation, a hungry congregation, a pliable congregation, willing to move, thoughtful, curious, disinterested in the same old status quo religious jargon junk. But... Beautiful as you are, you are not a perfect church or congregation. We are not the greatest church in the history of the Christian faith. We are not ranked number one from all who have gone before us. But God has been good to us. He's been very good to us. He's been faithful to us even when we have been unfaithful. And today we celebrate our King and our life together in his kingdom. And part of this next series that we've been in was an attempt to help us think bigger than ourselves and bigger than our own individual preferences. We want to trust God deeply as we journey out the road together. We want to keep learning how to lean into him 
for wisdom and guidance. We want to dream big and dream boldly about what we can be and do to manifest the reality of the kingdom in this community where we are located. And we want to serve widely and sacrificially give ourselves away, give our resources away, give our facilities away for the sake of his kingdom. We want to live in the rhythm of what has been described as, quote, breathing in and breathing out. A congregation, a faith community that breathes in and becomes more like Jesus. His spirit transforms our inner being and we learn to see with his eyes and hear with his ears. We breathe in individually and communally and we become transformed. And we breathe out. We live on mission. We give ourselves away to one another, to those in our neighborhoods and in our schools, to people in this town and around the world just like Jesus did, breathing in and breathing out, breathing in formation, breathing out mission. Our scripture reading provides beautiful and inspiring images of who we can be, the role we can fulfill in this community and in the world. And it gives us a powerful set of images about the role of this church, Oak Hills Church, your church, in this community now and in this world. But it also reminds us of a potential danger, a danger religious people have faced for as long as there has been the Christian religion. And each one of us faces it as well. And we, as a community, face this danger as well. One of the problems plaguing the people of God throughout history is that their religion has sometimes turned them into an oppressive presence instead of a healing presence. And this is worth thinking about for a moment. Biblical history and history itself is filled with examples where religion has been an oppressive power instead of a healing power. Religion that crushes the soul instead of liberating the soul. And I would like us today and perhaps going forward to think of our role as a church, as Oak Hills Church, as that of a healing presence in this town and in this world. We incarnate God's healing power through who we are and how we live, both individually and as a community. And I don't mean healing as in bopping people on the forehead and they fall down and then they get up and their knee doesn't hurt anymore. They're, you know, not talking about that. I mean, we are a healing presence in a fractured and lonely and afflicted community called Folsom in that we point to the reality of God as the creator and lover of human beings. And we help people find restoration back to the God who made them. We help people flourish in a shalom way, in a kingdom way, by helping them discover Jesus and the goodness of his kingdom. I was recently with a group of Christian leaders, and several times while we were together, there was an extraordinary level of vulnerability and authenticity. Christian leaders, with one another, being real about their personal struggles and their journeys, personal journeys, and about the challenges and the obstacles they face in their ministries. These women and men were deep diving into the particular details of their own past and of their soul pain. And some of the stories were absolutely heartbreaking because they were stories of religious oppression. 
Stories where God and religion and church were used to burden and oppress and abuse and condemn. Christian leaders telling stories about their ministry setting right now that they are in, where they do not have the permission to be honest and authentic about their personal story or their personal struggle for fear they will be judged and condemned by their congregation and shortly thereafter they will be fired. And emerging through all this nonsense is a rather unattractive and uncompelling picture of religion as an oppressive power instead of a healing power. And I just want to say this should not be. And we as Oak Hillians, in this time and for this season, in this church, must do whatever it takes so religious oppression will not happen on our watch through our church. And do whatever it takes so we, as Oak Hillians, are a healing presence in the lives of those who are lonely, afflicted, and burdened by a yoke of whatever and the lonely and the afflicted and the troubled and the burdened are all around this community. And I don't mean here. I mean all around this community. It's here too. But it's in this town. And this is what Isaiah is addressing in our scripture reading. The religious activity of the people of God was self-serving. It was for their sake and for their benefit. So they felt good. And so they looked righteous and religious, even though they weren't. Their religious devotion, in other words, the people of God's religious devotion had not produced a transformed inner being. They were self-absorbed. They were angry. They were combative religious people. They weren't transformed people. And Isaiah confronts this in the people of God. His words were written to be read and heard and taken in by the people of God. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? We can say it this way. They knew all the catchy religious phrases. They could recite all the verses. And they especially could draw all the lines to delineate who was in and who was out. Who was good and who was bad. But their religion had not transformed them into a healing presence. Their knowledge of God did not shape how they interacted with, for example, or in, for example, the business realm and their business lives. It had no bearing on that. It didn't have any impact on how they interacted at school. It did not impact how they saw people when they were out and about in the community and what they thought of the people they saw and how they cared for them and loved them. In other words, their religious devotion did not change them. They weren't breathing in the good news of the kingdom, so they weren't breathing out the good news of the kingdom. And this passage in Isaiah 58 goes on to point to a vision of who we, as the people of God, are to be in this community and in this world. And it reminds us of our calling as a church on this corner in this town and how the shalom of the kingdom 
The goodness of Jesus Christ is to spread into the neighborhoods and workplaces and schools of this town and beyond. And how does it spread? It spreads through you, it spreads through me, and it spreads through we. The shalom of the kingdom spreading into all of the world. This last Wednesday we had our last prayer time that we were doing during this next series, and one of our elders, Sean Lures, led us, and he led us in a reflection on this very passage that I read a moment ago from Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 12. So he did part of my job for me. He came with this passage, and he read this passage, and it was sitting right there, and it's like, my goodness, we need to hear this on Sunday morning. So I want to read it again, and I want us to hear this as a vision of who we at Oak Hills are to be to fulfill our role individually and as a church as a healing community, a vision of the church in a community and in the world, a vision of our role on this corner in this town. Isaiah 58, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, And break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. So many vivid words and images in these verses that point us to who we are to be as the church in this community and in this world. See, this answers the why do we exist question. This answers the why do we do what we do as a church question. If we whittle it down and cut to the chase, the church is to be a healing community, helping the broken find restoration and wholeness. And because we know ourselves as the broken, and we know we are continuing our own journey toward restoration and wholeness, we lavishly offer God's grace and love and invitation to any and all who desire to reunite with Jesus and journey toward wholeness in him. We do so without condemnation. We do so without judgment. We do so with deep conviction. We do so clinging to the truth and dispensing it with lavish grace. For many years we've been in partnership, as some of you know, with Restoration Ministries from Brazil. They live and work in the slums of Sao Paulo, Brazil, as a healing presence where they are, a well-watered garden, a repair of broken walls in Sao Paulo, and a literal restorer of streets with dwellings. They're right there 
And for years, they've sought to be a healing presence in that broken community. And in 2014, we embarked on a giving campaign back then. 10% of what we uh, gave in that giving campaign turned out to be about $100,000, was given to Restoration Ministries in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And one of the things they wanted to do was to renovate their kitchen that they have at their ministry center right in the neighborhood. They wanted to be able to feed more people out of that kitchen. They wanted to be able to use that kitchen in a variety of ways. And eventually they want to be able to open a bakery through that kitchen and actually have a way for people to learn entrepreneurial skills through what's going on in that bakery. So there's a video we just got that kind of gives an update on where they're at at uh, the work they're doing. So this is Irini Mota. For those of you who don't know, she's the one who heads up Restoration Ministries. And Karen, you can roll the video. Hi, guys. I hope you are doing well. We are doing fine here in Brazil. I miss each one of you. And we are back in the ministry. The staff has their vacation and we just start back our activity. And uh, but today I really wanna rejoice with you and show you how it's going on our kitchen remodeling that we just started on January. Here is what we are doing. This is Pastor Pedro, that is the worker here. Pastor Pedro, and that one is his assistant. Both of them are Christian. Okay, over here where you guys are seeing, you be where we are expand our kitchen. And Igor is recording, he's coming to me. And uh, just for you guys have idea, we're gonna turn out this wall here. And here's the other side of the kitchen. And that, you can, oh, and here we're going to turn down this and expand. It will be huge. It will be a blessing. And uh, look at that direction now here. We're going to close here with a door here. We're going to have a door here. And we're going to have a windows here. And this side here is where we're going to have a barbecue place. Uh, you'll be like a cafe, a place where people can sit and uh, we're going to produce some stuff, training people to work here, and we're going to sell the product. And the idea is to bring the people from the community to work with us, provide jobs, and uh, all the income that will come from the selling part goes to the ministry to help the project or the ministry that we have. Well, and I'm going to send some pictures as well. And thank you guys so much. I just want to show you how are the construction. Uh, our goal is to finish until second week of March. And I will keep you guys updated on it. I love you guys. Keep you praying for us. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. So you think about this is back in 2014, we had a giving campaign and money came in, money came in. And as it went along, you know, we gave uh, our, the 10% to them in bits and pieces as they wanted it and as they could handle it. And now they're on their way to expanding and being a healing presence 
uh, in the streets of Sao Paulo. Joe and Mike were here last week from Philadelphia. If you were here, you had the privilege of hearing them share what they're doing in these drug-infested areas of their city where they too, using the words from Isaiah, they're being a restorer of streets with dwellings and a repairer of broken walls, a healing presence in a fractured and afflicted community. And we're partnering with them in this giving campaign. 10% of what comes in will be given to them to help renovate their mission center right there in the middle of this very difficult part of the city. And they will be able to be a healing presence there. And as we think about our role in this town, in this community, and around the world, we keep playing with the question, what does it mean for Oak Hills Church to be a healing community? Using Isaiah's language, what does it look like to loose the chains of injustice in Folsom, California, and in the surrounding areas? That's our role. Whatever the answer to that question is, that's our role as a church. Our role is to, quote, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Question, what yoke enslaves you? What yoke enslaves me? What yoke enslaves your neighbors? What burden oppresses the souls of the people we work with or attend school with or attend church with? Our role as a church is to be a healing presence, pointing burdened and oppressed people to the greatness of Jesus the King and to the goodness of life in his kingdom. Whatever the details are, that's our role. Our role from Isaiah's words is to share our food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when we see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from our own flesh and blood. Wednesday night, I came to the into the lobby to go to the prayer time, and it was pouring down rain, as you know, on Wednesday night. I walked into the lobby, and Hart was having another one of their evenings. People from our church and other churches were having a meal and spending time with 20 people, 20 friends, who might otherwise be spending the night under a tree in a park, waiting out the seconds until morning came. So hear this real clear. That's our role according to the Bible, in this community, to be a healing presence, to feed the hungry, and to help those who are hurting. Our role is, in Isaiah's words, do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Our role as a church and a faith community and a Christian community is to do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. It's almost as though Isaiah snuck back into time and wrote these words this week and then snuck them into this obscure chapter in the Bible that very few people read or would have known wasn't there before. He's speaking to the people of God. He's speaking to us. Do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Religion and church as an oppressor an attacker, using the weapons and tactics of the world instead of relying on the power and the liberation of the king. And then the promise comes, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will be like the noonday. Again, that phrase, your light will rise 
in the darkness. I think we've got an ample supply of darkness to illumine if we want to. If we fulfill our role as a healing community, Isaiah's words, the Lord will guide us always. He will satisfy our needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen our frame. We, Oak Hills Church, will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Our people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. We will be called repairer of broken walls. We will be called restorer of streets with dwellings, the image of a healing community. You see, behind some of these well-groomed lawns in our town and nice-looking homes and sturdy fences, behind those, there's oppression, burden, affliction, turmoil, loneliness. And we are being called to be a restorer of streets with dwellings. It's like a Hebrew phrase that means suburbs. And our role is to be a well-watered garden, providing an oasis for those who are beginning to realize their brokenness, a spring whose waters never fail, a never-ending flow of the kingdom's goodness and shalom, a repairer of broken walls. What a beautiful thing for us to be known for as in this fractured world. Oh, that Oak Hills Church, they repair broken walls. They put things together. They help people and things come back together. Healing presence. And maybe most compelling of all, of all, think about these neighborhoods in this town. Think about your neighborhood. Our role as people in a church is to be a restorer of streets with dwellings. There's much to do. We have much to learn. We don't have this all figured out. But this is who we are. And this is why we are pledging to this campaign to pay off debt so we open up space and free up money to better fulfill our role as a healing presence in this town and throughout the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful to you for who you are, for the life we have in you, and we are especially grateful on this day for one another and this calling we have to be your people. Continue to teach and inspire us to love one another, to love you, and to love the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.